The Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This is Your FBI. This is your FBI, the official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented transcribed as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. A famous French general once pointed out that the great advantage of the American soldier was his ability to think and act for himself in an emergency. That, of course, is our American way. We Americans like to be independent and self-reliant. That's why the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States today has five million policy-holding members who freely chose this form of personal security. Today, the Equitable Society is represented from coast to coast by more than 8,000 agents. In about 12 minutes we have something to tell you about these men whose job it is to show how you, too, may enjoy the advantages of membership in the Equitable Society. Tonight, the subject of our FBI file, Bank Robbery. Its title, The Loner. Tonight's case concerns one of the most serious problems facing law enforcement agencies throughout the country, and thus facing you, the people. That is the problem of parole. The Federal Bureau of Investigation wishes to make perfectly clear that it is not opposed to the concept of paroling eligible and deserving prisoners. Do you know how paroles are handled in your section? Take the trouble to find out through one of the good government groups in your community. Tonight's FBI file opens in a large western city. It is early afternoon as a man wrapped in a heavy overcoat hurries along the crowded sidewalk and enters the corner bank. Once inside, he puts his briefcase on the counter and wipes his heavy eyeglasses. The gray hair showing under his hat appears well-groomed. He claps his gloved hands together to warm them and attracts the attention of a clerk. He tells the clerk he wishes to see the gentleman sitting at the desk in the corner, a gentleman named Bristol. In a minute, the clerk returns, opens the gate, and shows the visitor to Mr. Bristol's desk. Good afternoon. Have a seat, please. Thank you. You said you wanted to see me. Is that so? Was it about a loan? Yes, sir. With that, the visitor opens his scuffed leather briefcase and hands it to Mr. Bristol. I would like for you to fill this. I beg your pardon? I have a gun in my pocket. Take this briefcase over to those men, the cashiers, and fill it with money. But I... And please... No trouble, or I will have to shoot you. An hour later, at the local FBI field office, Agent in Charge Carter is at his desk when Agent Putnam approaches. Pardon me, Mr. Carter. Yes, Putnam? I've just been to the security bank. The amount stolen was $11,300 in cash 
and $7,000 in negotiable bonds. Any serial numbers? No, no, not on the money, but the bank's preparing a list of the bond numbers. Have it distributed as soon as it's ready. Yes, sir. The bandit left no prints, spoke only to a clerk and an official at the bank. The clerk didn't remember anything, but the other man, a Mr. Bristol, gave me a description. Round face, heavy eyeglasses, gray hair at the temples, and he spoke with a French accent. I don't know how much good the description will do us, though. Mr. Bristol said the man might have been using makeup. Yeah. The gray hair, for example, showed traces of powder. And the police already have a suspect, a parolee named Don Conway. He's an expert at makeup. And how about that French accent? Conway always fakes an accent. He also usually covers one employee and makes him go around and collect the loot. Shall I notify the police? I've already heard from them. They're going to have Conway brought in. See to it that Bristol has a look at him in the lineup. Hi, Mr. Putnam. Oh, yes, Mr. Bristol. Let's go into the booth. Uh, go ahead. Thank you. All right, jailer. Please bring the men onto the stage. Please line up in front of the markers. Do any of those men look like the bandits? Let me see. No. No, I don't seem to recognize any of them. Would you recognize the bandit's voice without the accent? I might. Conway, will you please step forward? Please repeat after me. I have a gun in my pocket. Take this briefcase and fill it with money. Hold it. Like to hear him say any more, Mr. Bristol? No. He's not the man. A bank is robbed, and the only eyewitness fails to identify the suspect. However, that man remains the lone logical suspect, so a surveillance is kept on him. When, after a month, no actual proof is found, Agent in Charge Carter turns for help to FBI headquarters in Washington. A request is made for the loan of an agent from the Boston office. The following day, Special Agent Jim Taylor reports. Glad to meet you, Taylor. Thank you, Mr. Carter. Now, let me give you some of the details on why you're here. All right, sir. There was a bank robbery here last month. Because of the modus operandi, we suspected a parolee named Don Conway. Ever hear of him? The office gave me a copy of his record to study on my way down here, sir. Good. Then you may have noticed Conway was sentenced to a 10-year term and was fined $5,000. Yes, I saw that. In order to get his parole without paying the fine, Conway took a pauper's oath. I see. Now, here are the surveillance reports on him since the robbery. When you read them, you will see that he's been to the racetrack every day, betting at the $50 window. No. If we question him, Taylor... You'll have some excuse. He borrowed the money or won it or found it or some story that can't be disproven. Has he spent big money anywhere else? No. The track seems to have been his only extravagance. He doesn't play the nightclub circuit. He hasn't splurged on a new wardrobe. And he's still living in the same two-room flat. Has any of the stolen money turned up, sir? We have no way of knowing. Uh, here's, uh, here's a list of the serial numbers on the stolen bonds. That's all the bank could give us. Uh -huh. Your assignment has become Conway's friend. We try to locate those bonds. Finding them is our only chance of solving this case. 
May I ask a question, sir? Surely. Was I picked for any special reason? I requested someone from the Boston office because that's where Conway's from. I see. All right, who are his friends? He has none. He works alone, lives alone, eats alone. Any family? No. But before you work up a cover story, see Warden Onslow at the penitentiary. He'll give you the background on Conway's prison years. All right, sir. Have a chair, Mr. Taylor. Thank you, Warden. Now, wait till I find those Conway papers. Okay. Oh, here they are. Now, shall I start at the top? Yes, if you will, please, sir. Conway had an IQ of 103 when he entered. That's pretty high. He's got native intelligence and a fair education. Hmm. Who are his friends, he wouldn't? He didn't have any. Conway doesn't trust people, not even other criminals. No, who did he talk to? One or two of the inmates, but they never really got close. You have a list of uh, his visitors there? No, he never had one. How about mail? He didn't write or receive a single letter in two years. Any hobbies? Yes, mimicking the personnel and the other prisoners. He has the ability to hear a person a few times and imitate his speech perfectly. Uh, anything else? Makeup. Makeup? Yes, we allow the prisoners to put on plays. Last year, Conway made up the entire cast to look like movie stars. Did an amazing job. Did he uh, participate in any other prison activities? No. Mm. With that IQ, he might have used the library, huh? He did. Here's a list of the books he read. Oh, thanks. All on horse racing. He seemed to be interested only in trying to work out a system for beating the races. Mm -hmm. I understand from his ex-cellmate that he was very proud of a formula he evolved just before his parole. Oh, I see. Here's a copy of his complete prison record. Thanks, thanks very much. Anything else I can do for you? No, I don't think so. And uh, thanks again, Warden. If I have any other questions after I've read this material, I'll call you. The success of the Federal Bureau of Investigation is founded on several things. One of which is the ability to improvise and do the job with the material at hand. In this case, Agent Taylor studied the character of Don Conway, went over every report and record, then returned to see Agent in Charge Cotter. Worked out a plan, Taylor? I think so, sir. The only thing that I can find that Conway's really interested in is horse racing. Mm. Now, according to the surveillance reports, he goes to the track every day. The only books that he drew from the prison library were about racing. His only interest is some elaborate system that he has for picking the winners. Well, then I imagine your plan's tied in with horses. Yes, sir. Now, Conway takes the racetrack train around noon every day. Well, I'm going to ride on the same train, sit next to him. He won't be easy to strike up a conversation with. Well, I've been reading a few books myself. One of them has a very complex method of picking the best horse. Oh, I see. So I'll have a racing paper, and when I start writing figures down on the margin, adding some and subtracting others, we... I think it, it might arouse his curiosity, sir. Well, don't forget, he likes his privacy. So take your time. Try to make him come to you. All right, sir. And remember, all we're interested in is, has Conway got those bonds? Yes, sir. When do you expect to start? This afternoon on the racetrack train. speaking. Agent Taylor, Mr. Carter. Are you making any progress? I think so, sir. I've been riding that racetrack train all week. Sitting next to Conway? Well, not since that first day. He looked over a few times to see what I was doing. You spoken to him yet? No, but I let him know that I was on the train, sir. Oh. 
By being good and loud about all the winners my system has each day. Have you kept an eye on him at the track? Yes, sir, more or less. How's he been picking him? He lost every race yesterday. He might be ripe to learn a new system. I think it's time for you to move back in. All right, sir. I'll sit next to him again on today's train. Sixty-three minus fifteen is forty-eight. Divide that by half is your four. A Mac. Uh, yeah. Is that a system? Yeah. How's it been going? No losing days yet. Who are you making the first? Jamie. I don't put Jamie in the money. How do you figure him on top? By my system. What system's that? It's uh, kind of tough to explain. You got to really know the horses. Let's see it. Okay. Yeah. Now, you, you take the speed ratings of each horse for the last three races. Add all three ratings. Now, you throw out anything on an off track. We will return in just a moment to tonight's exciting case from the official files of your FBI. But first... A message from Mrs. Marie Williams, who has been a member of the Equitable Life Assurance Society for about six years. Exactly six years, Mr. Keating. Mrs. Williams, what was it that first interested you in the Equitable Society? Well, it was on this same program six years ago that my husband and I heard about an insurance plan that interested us very much. So we called up your local Equitable office and one of your agents came out to see us. He impressed us right away as a man who knew what he was talking about. He really seemed to be interested in us and our problem. He was very friendly and helpful. Well, that's a pretty good description of equitable men everywhere, Mrs. Williams. You see, the typical equitable man has selected life insurance as a career. He takes the long view. He's interested in building up a satisfied clientele. He wants you to have only the right kind of insurance in the amount you need and can take care of. He tries to make friends. Well, we have complete confidence in our equitable agent. And that's no accident, Mrs. Williams. You see, every equitable representative is given special training. He knows the facts about every type of equitable life insurance. And he can call on the equitable home office team, a group of specialists, actuaries, technicians, and economists, to back him up whenever he needs additional information to help you. And to every listener, I'd like to say this. No matter what your insurance problem, if you and your wife are interested in peace of mind for yourself and your family, your local equitable representative will be glad to help you any time and without any obligation. Consult your local telephone directory for the name of your local Equitable Society representative or write to the Equitable Society, care of this station. That's E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E. The Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Thank you. 
And now back to the FBI file, The Loner. The hallmark of any FBI investigation is thoroughness. In this case, you have seen a plan based on that meticulous attention to details. A plan designed to gain the confidence of a suspected bank robber. Gaining that confidence is half the battle. But there is another half, which consists of getting the evidence. That was the part on which your FBI now embarked. Tonight's file continues a few weeks later at the local FBI field office. Any news, Taylor? Yes, sir. This racing meet closes next week. Conway's indicated that he's leaving town when it does. Well, where? Probably another racetrack, but I'm not sure. Any chance of your going with him? No, I'm afraid not. Oh, well, we're still friendly enough, but it's strictly on a racetrack basis. I can't even swing the conversation around to the war news, let alone the stolen bond. You been to his flat? No, sir. I, I've hinted a few times that maybe one of us could pick the other up on the way to the train, so... Mr. Carter, I think it's time to try our other maneuver. All right. Have you picked an agent yet? Agent Putnam. You met Phil. Yes, sir. He grew up on a horse farm in Kentucky. Oh, that's fine. Okay, I'll put it into action this afternoon, out at the track. telling you about a trainer I knew back east? A guy named Phil Putton? Uh-huh. Well, he got in today. He'll give us a winner. You take it. I handicap for myself. Well, what good's your handicapping if there's a fix in? Huh? Putnam's in the satchel business. Well, how do you know? Well, he got me out of hock a couple of years ago with a horse that paid thirty-nine sixty. Maybe this guy won't be able to do any business here. What's the matter with you? You think he came all the way from Boston just to give his horses a train ride? The winner number nine, competitive. Yeah, that's me. Number three, baby down second. Number one, Royal Bull third. It is out. He's I'm going over to the stable, see if I can find Putnam. You want to come along? No. i got to try to get even. Well, where you be later? Around here someplace. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Yeah? Uh, in case you miss me, you better take my address and phone number. Each step of a plan like this must be handled as delicately as possible because the entire operation is one in which a single mistake, one move that does not ring entirely true, wrecks the whole structure. That evening, Agent Taylor phoned Don Carter at his flat and set up a date at a cheap saloon so he could meet Agent Putnam, posing as the dishonest horse trainer. 
How are you? Oh, hi. Here, pull up the chair. Don? Don Conway, you Bill Putnam. Hi, hi, Conway. I hear you're interested in horses. Uh-huh. What do you have, boys? Hmm? Oh, I'll stay with this beer. Same here. Uh, Ryan Ginger. Coming up. Well, let's get down to business. I gotta get back to the stables. Okay. Can you fix a race for us? Yeah. When? Saturday. Getaway day. Eh? What'd I tell you? It'll cost money. How much? A G from each of you. For what? The other jocks and trainers. Oh, that's too much. I didn't come looking for oh, you. Oh, Phil, wait a minute. Sit you down. Told now, me don't you came get up sore. with a guy who likes to bet and he beefs about a G. Come on, sit down. Look, I don't care how much you bet or where you bet it. Ain't that worth a thousand? Sure, Phil. Now, what's the horse's name? That's what you find out when you two put up the dough. Well, I'll go for my G, but not in cash. Why not? I pretty near tapped myself out on that last race today. What have you got? Bonds. Conway, you mind leaving for a minute? Oh, he's okay, Phil. You can talk in front of him. Are these bonds like the ones you gave me last time? Yeah. Well, you still got that guy back east to change the numbers, haven't you? Yeah, he's around. Well, that'll cool these right off. They're negotiable. They're the kind with coupons. Hey, you mean you got a guy who can change the numbers on bonds and make them okay? Sure. With the numbers changed, they're as good as cash. Hey, where are you going? I'll see you later. Agents Taylor and Putnam stayed in the cheap saloon for a while, waiting for Don Conway to return and explain his sudden exit. An hour later, they received a call. The agent keeping a surveillance on Conway after he left the saloon reported that he had now returned to his flat. That was the word Agent Taylor had been waiting for. Now the next step could be taken. Who is it? You, you ducking a phone call? No. I've been trying to get you. I just got here. What happened to you? Why'd you brush your guy off like that? I want to get some bonds. Where? Out of a trash can, the alley on the next block. Huh? That's where I threw them this afternoon. I figured they were too hot to hold on to. Hmm. Well, let's see them. I'll tell you. By the time I got back, the cans had been emptied. They're gone. Carter, we've got a new problem. Mm, what's that? Conway threw the bonds away. I know. We've got them. Well, you have? How? When he left his apartment to meet you at the saloon, the agent, keeping him under surveillance, followed him. Yeah. Conway ducked into an alley on the next block. The agent couldn't follow right behind him, but he searched the alley later and found the briefcase. But he didn't see Conway discard it. No. Yeah. Were Conway's prints on the briefcase or the bonds? No. That makes it just about impossible to tie him into that robbery. Mm-hmm. Mr. Carter... Uh... Has any announcement been made? I haven't even notified the bank yet. Good. Maybe we've still got a chance. Hello? Conway? Uh-huh. It's Taylor. Look, I just called the sanitation department. The trash from that alley is dumped at a... Lot number six. Usually takes a whole day before this stuff gets shoveled into the incinerator. So what? Well, so the bonds must still be down at the dump. Let's try and find them. And all that junk? Well, the guy at the sanitation department thought there was a chance. Let's give it a try. 
We can't tonight. How about tomorrow morning? Well, okay. Okay, I'll pick you up as soon as it's light. I said the trash collected in that alley gets dumped over here in this corner. Here's a shovel. Okay. Let's start on the side here. All right. Hey, Conway, why'd you throw the bonds away? I told you. They were like yours. Hot? Uh Uh-huh. Where'd you come up with them? Job. Yours? Uh-huh. Who'd you work with? Alone? That's the best way. Oh, I, I called Putnam. Yeah? When? This morning. All right, it's only 6.30 now. All those horse guys, they get up early. Oh. Well, what's the word? Well, he wants the dough by tonight. Okay. Hey, here's a briefcase. Yeah, yeah, that's mine. How do you open this thing, anyway? Give me it. Yeah. Those are the bonds? Uh-huh. Hey, they're city bonds. Oh, what about it? I read about some of them the other day. Somebody grabbed a bundle of them in a stick-up last month, a bank job. These are the ones. Did you hear that, boys? Hey, what is this? That's a microphone buried in the trash there. Huh? Those men in the truck heard your confession. Hey, now, wait. They're FBI men, and so am I, Conway. What? You're under arrest. Don Conway was convicted in a federal court and received a substantial sentence. Not only did the special agents in the truck at the city dump hear Don Conway's confession, but his words were transcribed with a tape recorder they operated. When Conway heard it played back to him, he immediately signed a written confession. Thus, your FBI not only apprehended the guilty man, but also recovered almost the entire amount stolen from the bank. In the early 1930s, rising young gangsters looked upon bank robbery as one of the most promising underworld professions. Bank robberies rose to a high of more than 600 in a single year, an average of almost two for every business day. Since 1934, when the Federal Bureau of Investigation was given jurisdiction over most bank robberies, the number has been greatly reduced. Another illustration of how your FBI protects your freedom, your life, and your property. Just one more word about a man in your town. If you are interested in security, in peace of mind for yourself and your family, ask the man who can help you most, your local Equitable Society representative. 8,000 of these trained insurance specialists are ready to serve you without any obligation to you wherever you live from Maine to California. Simply consult your local telephone directory 
for the name of your local Equitable Society representative. Next week, we will dramatize another case from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Its subject, Subversive Activities. Its title, The Courier. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of places or persons, living or dead, is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner. The author was Jerry D. Lewis. Your narrator was William Woodson, and Special Agent Taylor was played by Stacey Harris. Others in the cast were... Dick Crenna, Joe Forte, Tony Hughes, Bill Johnstone, and Vernon Rich. This is your FBI is a Jerry Devine production. This is Larry Keating speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society will bring you another thrilling transcribed story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Courier on... This is your FBI. Stay tuned for the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. There's fun for the whole family when Ozzie and Harriet come your way next. This program came to you from Hollywood.